Hi, this is Carly, Recovered Alcoholic, and we are back for episode two. We are in the preface and then the forewords tonight for Big Book Study. This is North Star Big Book. The reason why it's called North Star Big Book is the North Star is where sailors look when they are lost and in the dark, and that is where I look when I am lost and in the dark, is back to the book. Um, I just want to say real quickly, I would suggest using this Big Book podcast as either something to listen to while you're out and about and trying to have your head be full of good stuff, or literally as a big book study with your big book open and a pen or a pencil and a highlighter and just kind of jamming through the book with me. Regardless, welcome. I'm glad you're here, and let's get started. So the first page, the preface, I have a third edition big book. Um, It's XI in my book, but it's the preface where it says this is the third edition of the book. Before I have, um, before I start that reading, I want to talk about the cake and the recipe. So whenever I start working with anyone, I start telling them about the cake and the recipe. And again, this is not my story. I'm just passing it on, but I picture myself in Little Italy and I am at one of those beautiful outside cafes and And the baker comes by and gives me this beautiful, like, 11-layer white chiffon Italian cake. And I put my fork into it, and I eat it, and it's insanely good. And it's light, and it's fluffy, and it's not too sweet. It's perfection. And I come in with my empty plate, and I say to the baker, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And before I even finish, he gives me a three-page stapled recipe sheet with instruction because everybody asks him for his recipe and he's learned over the years it's just better to pass it out. So he tells me it's really important that if I want to make the same cake that he gave me that I follow the exact instructions and I say okay thank you. Me being someone who doesn't ever follow instructions I throw the instructions on my car seat I get in the car and I look at them And one of the things it tells me is that I need to go to three different grocery stores. And there is no way I'm going to three different grocery stores, one of which is a specialty Italian shop. And I don't have time or the money to do that. So I just go to one. I go to Trader Joe's and I go through their aisle and I can't find one of the sugars that is written down there. And there's no way I'm going to use as many eggs as it's asking for because I think that's just too much. And... Instead of all that butter, I'm going to substitute it with some applesauce and oil, and I'm going to just kind of wing it with the whole vanilla thing because the good vanilla that it says I need to get is, like, really expensive, so I'm going to get the imitation vanilla. I pay for all the ingredients. I leave. And so I've already not followed the directions. I've not gone to where I needed to go. I have not followed the steps that it tells me to take, and I've not gotten what I needed to do. I go home. I look at the instructions, which say in very clear words that I need to beat the eggs for a certain amount of time. And then when I add the sugar, I need to let everything sit. And I'm like, why am I letting this sit? This is ridiculous. I have to go and I don't want to wait so long. And I promised I was going to bring this cake over when I told one of my friends about it. And so I don't wait. And instead of 350, I do it 400 because I don't have much time. So I'll just speed up the process, but bake it higher and... I put in all the ingredients at once instead of doing it one at a time and beating it. And at the end of, you know, the timer goes off, out of the oven comes what one could call a cake. But 
It doesn't look anything like the cake I got at Little Italy. And I like nibble a little piece off the side because I want to make sure it's okay before I send it to my friend's house. And it it's horrible. It doesn't taste anything like it. And I'm mad. And I throw it out and I complain about this stupid recipe the whole entire time at my friend's house. The reason why I tell this story is because that is how I was when I got to, into Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't want to follow the clear-cut instructions. I didn't want to take the time it took to do what it told me to do. And I didn't want to do it the way someone else did it because I never followed the instructions. And the reason why we tell this story at the beginning of the book when we take someone through is I need to follow the recipe here. If I want what the first 100 men and women have that wrote this book, then I need to do what they did. So I wrote at the top of my page, cake and recipe, you want what they had, you do what they did. And I'll just tell you that this is the only instruction manual I've ever followed completely and thoroughly and consistently since I started doing the work. I know that if I want what the first 100 men and women wrote about, that I need to do exactly what it says. And it's just a reminder that I will do everything in order to do nothing. Okay, so the big book is the centerpiece, and this is where our recovery program is. And I just want to say something that is just from my experience, which is everyone who enters Alcoholics Anonymous is a member if they say they are. You are welcome if you have a desire to stop drinking. If you want to be an AA, you're a member. We welcome you. It's awesome. However, that does not mean I'm working the program of Alcoholics Anonymous if I just go to meetings and say I'm a member. The only way I can be working the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is if I'm following the steps out of the big book. It's very simple. It might be a little bit black and white for some people, and that's okay. I'm comfortable with it. I'm either working the steps, which is our program, or I'm not. So if that's my centerpiece, then I need to study it so I know what I'm doing. And in here, which they're going to talk about a number of times, are precise, clear-cut directions that are specific. And I wrote that down, precise, clear-cut directions that are specific. And I don't know about you, but I was that kid in school that felt like I missed the day, the assembly that was called when everyone got the how-to guide of life, and I was, like, left out. And this is finally it. I'm going to get a guidebook that's going to direct me for the rest of my life, one day at a time, in all areas. And so far, since January 27th, 1999, this book has not led me astray. Okay, so it says... This is the third book of the edition. This is the third edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The first edition appeared in April 1939, and in the following 16 years, more than 300,000 copies went into circulation. The second edition, published in 1955, reached a total of more than 1,150,000 copies. I remember the first time my sponsor was reading this to me, and I was my eyes were glossing over, and I'm like, "What are you even talking about? And why is this even important?" What's important for me is to understand where my history is from and because of where we are in our society is I live in Cleveland, Ohio, which is 45 minutes away from the start of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I live very close to the oldest and longest standing meeting in the entire world, the Borton Group. 
And so there's a lot of history here, and I want to be part of it. The next paragraph I bracketed, and above this paragraph I wrote, student of the book. So one of my sponsees that I work with, when she first started working with me, and usually the way I get girls is I get them after they've come around the rooms, they haven't really done anything, they're miserable, and they finally come up to me and they say, I didn't want to ask you for help because I was scared of you, or I didn't want to ask you for help because I thought you were mean, but I want help. But I don't want everyone to think I'm a big book thumper. And I usually laugh. Um, because what's so ironic is that we don't want to be thought of as having the solution. And in some of the rooms that I run in, being a big book thumper with air quotes around it can be known as like a bad word. Um, I'm proud of being a student of the book. I am not an expert of the book. I love the book and I've been actively studying it since I was about six months sober. So it says, because this book has become the basic text for our society. So I underlined the word text, and above that I wrote book of instruction. So a textbook is a book of instruction, and I wrote study. So this, isn't not, this is not a novel. I don't read it once. This is something I'm going to come back to study and restudy and examine and learn. And then I underlined the word society, and I wrote on the side people of liked minds. People of liked minds. So I am going to be reading a book of instruction for people who have a similar mind to me, and I'm sure they're referring to the mental obsession. And it says, and has helped such large numbers of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists a sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. Therefore, I underline the first portion of this volume describing the AA recovery program. So the first portion is from the beginning page where we started last week until page 164. So the first portion has been left untouched in the course of revisions made for both the second and the third edition. So the only thing that's going to change in our book is the personal stories. And basically the book is going to go on to say the reason why they change the personal stories is to reflect the members and so they can have more attraction and people can relate more. But they don't want to change from the from the cover of the book until 164. And the real reason is because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I wrote on the side, don't screw with it. I'm the first one to admit here that this is not a well-written book. I have my master's in education. I was an English major. I studied theater. I know literature. And this is not in the realm of beauty. However, it is in the, in the realm of magic. And when I tried to read this on my own, it was boring and it put me to sleep. And when I read it with somebody who was excited about the book, it lit up my life. It says, this has been left untouched in the course of revisions made for both the second and third edition. The section called the doctor's opinion. So doctor's opinion is going to be Dr. Silkworth, which we're going to get to. He is a benefactor of ours, and he's who gave us step one. That's been kept intact, just as it was originally written in 1939 by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, our society's great medical benefactor. I underline the word benefactor, and that means someone who helps. The reason why I identify words like benefactor and have my girls write them down is because sometimes I'm taking someone through the book who literally has very little education and doesn't even know how to spell and needs me to explain the words 
so they understand what I'm saying. And my job is to transmit what I know. And so I can't assume that everyone knows what I know. The next paragraph is going to be about the fellowship's growth, and we're going to move on from that. Go to the next page where they're talking about how it's divided into different stories, into different um, editions. They've added different um, personal stories on the way back. And I'm in the last paragraph of the preface. It says, all changes made over the years in the big book. I underline the words, the big book. In parentheses, it says, a member's fond nickname for this volume have had the same purpose, to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately and thereby to reach more alcoholics. So they're planting the seed right here of what they're going to talk to me about from step five on, which is all the things I need to do to be most effective when I'm working with others. If you have a drinking problem, so remember, this is the first 100 men and women who are talking to alcoholic number 101. If you have a drinking problem, we hope that you may pause in reading one of the 44 personal stories. And there's one of our tools that we're going to be learning in the 11th step, pause. And it, I underline, yes, that happened to me. So I want to use that as a tool. Instead of looking for the differences in the stories or listening for the differences in the leads, I want to look for what I can relate to. Yes, that happened to me. It says, or more important, I underlined, yes, I felt like that. Or most important, I underlined, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. So a couple of things. Next to, yes, that happened to me, and yes, I felt like that, I wrote step one. And this is where, when I'm sitting down for the first time with a new person, I'm sharing with them my personal experience with the mental obsession, the physical allergy. And the story I always talk about is how I felt like I was a shell of a human being and that when I would look in the mirror, I was obsessed with what I saw because I hated it and nothing matched up. And regardless of anyone's background, most of us felt that way. One of my favorite people in AA says that there's two kinds of people that come into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Those who cannot stand what they've done and those who cannot stand what they've become. And I was the second one. I could not stand what I became, and I couldn't stand what I saw in the mirror. And that's step one. The part that I underlined, the last part of that um, paragraph, yes, I believe this program can work for me too, that's step two. Really, that's the most basic step two there is. Step two doesn't ask me to believe in God. It doesn't ask me to define the relationship with my higher power. It just says, come to believe that I can be restored. And I translate that to what it says in the book. Yes, I believe this program can work for me too. And the way that that was given to me was by watching the members of Alcoholics Anonymous live their sober lives. But when I sit down with a new girl, all I'm really doing after we go through step one is saying, do you believe that if you tried something you've never tried before that's working with us, that it could possibly work for you. And if she says, I don't really, but I have like a teeny little belief, like the size of a freckle, I believe, then we say, congratulations, you're on your way, let's go to step three. I wrote two different things um, on that big blank space. I wrote the quotation, in quotation marks, this is from one of the pamphlets that Bill W. is quoted saying, the sole purpose of an AA group is the practicing and teaching of the 12 steps. The sole purpose of an AA group 
is the practicing and teaching of the 12 steps. So if I'm not doing that at the meetings that I attend, then I am failing the purpose of the meeting. There are many reasons I go to meetings. I can list some of them right now. I go to meetings because it is my responsibility to show up and, and be there to shake hands with a new person that walks in because somebody did it for me. I go to meetings to hear what happens when people come back to remind myself of why I go to meetings. I go to meetings to hear how sober people, how old timers get through really hard relationship stuff, job stuff, family stuff, death stuff, sick stuff. How do you do it sober? And the most important reason I go to meetings is to be there to carry the message of hope that's found in the 12 steps, especially to the new person. Um, and then the last thing I wrote on this page, I wrote whole book is written to help us get rid of the mental obsession. The whole book is written to help us get rid of the mental obsession. So the reason why it's written isn't to help me not drink. It's to help me get rid of the, the thought in my mind that drinking is an option and it's my only solution. Okay, so let's go to the forward to the first edition. We are about to enter one of my absolute favorite parts of the book. Um, it is so super crystal clear here. Before we get there on the top of the forward to the first edition, I wrote, I lived in a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And you'll see what I'm writing, why I'm writing this in a second. But I wrote this. I lived in a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I had a body that was hopeless when it came to alcohol. I could not control the amount I took once I put it in my body. And I had a mind that was hopeless when it came to alcohol because I could not convince my own mind that I didn't need to pick up a drink. My mind always won out. My obsession won out. And the word seemingly is so beautiful because to me it seemed hopeless, but to the recovered alcoholic who's actively working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, nothing is hopeless. And then underneath the sentence that I wrote, I lived in a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, I wrote, through the 12 steps, I no longer do. Through the 12 steps, I no longer do. So my problem is that I have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and my solution is the 12 steps. Then it says, forward to the first edition, and I wrote the word spiritual awakening, because they are going to be referring to this, and we're going to talk about it in way more detail in a couple of weeks. But spiritual awakening is what's promised to me after I do 1 through 11. And it sounds really hippy trippy incense burning, um, but it's not. It's about removing the insanity in my life, in my mind, in the way I think and act. So we're going to get into it way deeper, but that's just the basic idea. It's a spiritual awakening is removing the insanity, which really means... If sanity is wholeness of mind and being able to see the whole picture, then insanity is a mind less than whole when it comes to alcohol. So a sane person would look at me on any given night drinking, watch me throw up, piss my pants, hit on random people, make out with random people, drive drunk, drunk dial, if I did this in today's time, posts drunk things. And that to me 
would be my normal night, but to someone who's sane, who has a wholeness of mind, would look at me and go, you need to never drink again. You're crazy when you drink. I look at it and I think, well, it was the tequila, or it was the guy that I went to the bar with, or it was because my mom said this to me, or whatever. There's nothing whole about how I'm looking at it. I'm playing with a deck less than 52. And the spiritual awakening removes that insanity, that blockage, and allows me to see and feel and think and know, guided by my higher power. So it says, This is the forward as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939. Just to back up a little bit, we're going to read Bill's story in a little bit. Bill ends up getting sober in the end of 1934. He tries to help a bunch of alcoholics unsuccessfully for six months, meets Dr. Bob in 1935, and our sobriety date as Alcoholics Anonymous is June 10th, 1935, when two members became sober together. The book was not written and published until 1939. So for about three and a half years, the book was written by... Bill W., and he had to keep bringing it back to the group, the ever-growing group of 100 men and women, and the group would say, yeah, yay or nay. So anytime I see the word we, or I hear any kind of opinion or clear-cut instruction, I need to remember that I'm listening to the opinion and experience and knowledge of the first 100 men and women, almost all who died sober. So before I even started this we of Alcoholics Anonymous, I wrote on the side, collective knowledge, experience, and wisdom of 100. Collective knowledge, experience, and wisdom of 100. So the first 100 is who wrote this. And I also wrote down first 100 members, almost all died sober, filter through the book. First 100 members, almost all died sober, filter through the book. So that's who I need to realize is talking to me. It's almost as if they left us a treasure map and it's right in front of me and I have to follow along to get what they're telling me I'm going to get. So I bracketed the, the next, the first paragraph. It's literally one of my favorite and it says, and I underline, we of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's the first 100 men and women, are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I tell my girls, wherever you see the word recovered, highlight it in the same color every single time. So when people tell you that, that that's not okay and that's cocky and you need to be humble, the book tells me over and over and over that I'm going to become recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body if I do these 12 steps. So right there in the first sentence, it says, who have recovered. So I bracketed in that first sentence where it says a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And above hopeless state, I wrote problem. And on the side, I wrote diagnosis. I want to make sure that I have the correct diagnosis before I'm willing to take any medication because it won't work if I don't. It won't work because it might not be the right medication for a diagnosis, or it won't work because if the medication makes me sick while I'm taking it, my mind is going to convince me I don't need this because I don't really have this illness. So I really need to know what's wrong with me. And the book tells me I have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I double underline the word mind and body, and that's what we're going to talk about basically forever. That I have a mind that tells me I can process alcohol, and I have a body that cannot. 
and the two of them are constantly at war. The mind is trying to kill the body, and the body is trying to kill the mind. I underline the next sentence, and it says, To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. I highlighted that word recovered again. Oh my God, it's there again. And it says precisely. And I wrote on the side why we read this book. Why we read this book. So I can't welcome a new person, give them my number, and say, don't drink and go to meetings. Keep coming back, it gets better. How? How? What solution am I offering them? Going to meetings and not drinking is only going to attempt to fix one of my problems, which is my physical allergy. If I was able to arrest my own physical allergy, I would just do that. I would just not drink. Or I would get myself in trouble and I would go to a treatment center. They would tell me, don't drink. You're physically off of alcohol now. You have nothing in your body, so you can't crave it. And you're good to go. And I would get a tattoo on my arm that says, just don't drink. Don't pick up the first drink and I'd be fine. But my real problem is in my mind. And in my mind, when I don't drink, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. And I become convinced that this was a horrible idea, or what's the use anyhow, or it's never going to work for me, or I say, forget it, screw it, and I pick up the drink and I activate the physical allergy. So they're telling me here that I have a hopeless state of mind and body, that's the diagnosis. And then they're telling me that I need to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered, which means... When I meet someone new, I need to make sure that somebody is taking them through the book that knows how to take them through the book. And if they're not, it is my responsibility to either do that or find them someone that can. It says, for them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experience of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend, and I underlined, that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And above very sick person, I wrote disease, and I wrote mind and body. So again, we've got precise, specific, clear-cut directions in this book. So if I want to do what the book tells me, if I want to show other alcoholics precisely how I have recovered from this book, then I need to become a student of this book. It says, and besides, we are sure that, I underlined, our way of living has its advantages for all. And they're talking about the 12 steps. It is important that we remain anonymous. Remember, this was written in 1939. It is important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication. And we go on later to find out that there was an overwhelming um, amount of personal appeals that came to them. And they shared with us how they were able to deal with that. Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation, and that just means hobby. They're telling me I don't need to become, no offense to anyone who does, I've thought about it many times in my sobriety, I don't need to become a treatment center leader just to stay sober. There's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing if that's your path, but they're telling me that I can still be of use and have a job outside of Alcoholics Anonymous. I bracketed the next two little paragraphs, and I wrote above it 11th and 12th traditions. 11th and 12th traditions. So this is the skeleton of 11th and 12th traditions. It says, when writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Very earnestly we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. And we'll be greatly handicapped because none of us are perfect. I don't drive with an AA bumper sticker because I drive five miles above the speed limit every single day because that's the safe driving ability that I've found for, that works for me without getting a ticket. So I don't have a bumper sticker that says I'm an, I'm an AA. I don't wear a t-shirt that says I'm an AA. But when it's appropriate, I share that I'm sober and I'm recovered and I'm, and I'm in AA if it's going to make it so I can be effective and useful. They're telling me this. And what I think of is I think of, you know, the celebrities that would go. I don't read those magazines anymore because they were causing me to feel insane. But when I was reading all those, like, In Touch and all that stuff, you would see, like, the celebrity du jour with her big book or 12 and 12 or, or her sober bodyguard. And then she would be, like, trashed, you know, showing her body parts the next night in the same magazine. And that was a really poor example of Alcox Anonymous. So unless you're humanly perfect, we don't want to go around telling everyone that we're an AA. I just say I'm in recovery, and when it's appropriate, I bring it up. It says, we are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. Just FYI, this is the first edition. They removed the word honest in the second, third, and fourth editions. I think I heard a rumor it was because no one thought that we are capable of being honest when we come in here, which I wasn't. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination. I underline, nor do we oppose anyone. And I underline, we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. That's one of our principles. I bracketed the next paragraph, and it says, We, that's the first 100 men and women, shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book. And I circled this book particularly from those who have commenced, I underline, work with other alcoholics, and they wrote step 12. So they want to hear, I wrote this down, they want to hear from us who are working with others, which is step 12, because that's what they believe from their experience is our bread and butter. We should like to be helpful to such cases. Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcomed. Alcoholics Anonymous. We just reached our 30-minute limit. I want to Keep my promises. We will start again next week with the second edition. I am so grateful for your time. I hope you have an amazing day. It is your choice.